following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite, CDW, and Ford. And good evening, everybody, from PNC Studio at Hallisaw. It's time for another edition of Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak, and we will be joined by Prince Amukamara, the veteran cornerback for the Chicago Bears. Tom, I want to start right into today's uh, news conferences as the Bears try and put the Green Bay game in the rearview mirror. I thought Mitch Trubisky at the mic was outstanding, getting into a lot of detail about his thoughts about particular game situations which really define a quarterback what you're doing in the red zone what you're doing in the two-minute offense and was very transparent about what was going through his head and how he'd like to see a change in the future what do you think about it you know mitch is kind of mitch and matt nagy both are kind of like an artist because when you have a team it's just like one big blob of clay and then after you get the chance to experience it through otas and preseason then you start molding it a little bit but then when you get into the real action of the regular season, now you start molding that thing into whatever structure you're going to make out of it. And so when Mitch goes back and he evaluates the tape critically, real seriously with his teammates, his coaches, and his peers, then you start understanding the things. Okay, I didn't need to hurry this up. Or, man, I should have seen this downfield. So it's all those types of things. You know, when Mitch said today at the podium, and, and probably trying to make the point the whole time, Mitch's improvement is going to be a constant. He's never going to get there and then the and then it, oh it's it's all over. I'm I'm at the top or else you know he's so I mean that's that's I'm glad Mitch realizes the the importance of the continuous work and effort he's got to put in. As an offensive lineman, you need to see the game through the same eyes as a quarterback does, and you did for all your years as a guard with the Bears. Did you, after watching tape, see the game as he described it today? Yes. I think, you know, going into the first game, your first experience, there's a little bit of over-anxiousness, and maybe you're trying to think too fast, and all those things that you fall, you'll eventually you'll fall into the tempo and fall into the rhythm of the offense of the game, those things will start to slow down. Because, yeah, everybody wants to call it his second season, which it is, but it's yeah. still his first season, first season within this system. You know, you want to go up and have all these glowing remarks about Mahomes in Kansas City, this is his second year in the same system. So, it's it's hard to have the comparison because Mitch has already forgot which Mahomes is double <laughs> double learning. Yeah, and, and that's common though. That is common that the the analysis is immediate. And there was a great question asked today, and Mitch acknowledged it too. You know, it's it's a sport at a position where you're defined. This is who you are for the rest of your career on this game. Next game, you're defined a different way, right. and the next, and this will go on for the next 15 years of the man's life. Right. You know, the, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, that's the benefits of playing the quarterback position. What did he say as soon as he walked off the stage at the end of his press conference? He goes, "I have the, the greatest, greatest job, job in the world." <laughs> so that is the reflection of the respect Mitch has for his opportunity, and he also ha- realizes the improvement he has to make in what we as fans expect from him because he's already set the by the 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 bar high he's a good athlete he's dedicated he's really um he's got accuracy he can throw on the move so all the traits that you need to see out of a quarterback he's displayed them all third and goal 
three-yard line, 16 seconds to go, first quarter. The still shot, you've seen it because you've been hitting the, the mobile unit pretty good there, this phone. You're finding out a lot of stuff these days. You're starting to come into the, 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 so the current century. Uh, so yeah, you saw the still shot of Trey Burton back there. appears yeah. to be wide open, right, in a still shot. Um, and he explained it perfectly today. His first check was Tariq going, his first read. Then he goes to the check down, takes the five-yard line, get the points. Right. It's 10 nothing first quarter. He says that's a win. But as you look at it, as he moves forward, he wants to be the quarterback that will, at the first glimpse, boom, when you're not he, having to think about it, throw that pass. What did he you will, think about that? But that? He will. He will. That's the way he's going to develop. But that's not a first glimpse read to Trey Burton. No. The first glimpse is to Tariq. And then yeah. he was covered immediately in the flat. And then when he looked backside to Taylor Gabriel, he thought that was his next. So now you're talking about maybe three three seconds into the course of the play. So it's not immediate throw it. You know, there's a lot of evaluation. You're you're avoiding the rush. You go to the line of scrimmage, understand the protection, and know, understand where your vulnerabilities lie. So there's a lot more thinking into it than pass, punt, and kick. Absolutely. Pleased to be joined now by the veteran cornerback of the Chicago Bears, fresh off the practice field in a shower, Prince Samukamara joining us. How you doing, my friend? Are you sure I showered? Oh, that's what I was told, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> hey, it wouldn't matter if you did or didn't. It, you know, it's football season. You do what you can, right? Right, right. You do, you do whatever you, know, you have to do to get ready. Jay Hilgberg once said, the greatest thing about the job as an NFL football player is you don't have to shower on your way to work. <laughs> and, you know, and you always have like fresh that. clothes hanging in there. Right. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to get a, a little extra prep work for the Seattle Seahawks. It's been a head spinner this whole preseason and leading into the first game. And it's almost, right now, a little chance to breathe a little bit with this extra preparation. I don't know if that's really the way it is for you as a football player, but after everything that's gone on, is it a little bit of chance to take a deep breath? Yeah, especially with how, um, especially with how Sunday, Sunday ended. Um, yeah, that extra day helped us as a, as a team. However, it's crazy because we got done Sunday, and then we had Monday, Tuesday, um, off and then got back into it Wednesday. So that Monday, Tuesday, I'm sure guys watched the film, and forgot about it, but we still <laughs> had to watch it with the um, with 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 our coaches and and wear our thick skin uh, costume. And yeah, how'd that go, man? So uh, <laughs> coach uh, Coach Nagy went went through um, just uh, offense and defense as a team with. With like um, maybe the I don't know if the owners were in there, but I know everybody was in there like GMs and stuff like that. And, and he prepared us and just said, "Hey, we're just like sharpening each other." And um, I wouldn't say guys got called out, but it was but he was just pointing pointing plays and just going going through the ebbs and flows of of, of how the game went. And guys guys received it well, and you can tell how um, how guys are attacking. Um, uh, practice practice this week just with a little bit more like a um, little bit more just doing a little bit more in everything whether it's finishing whether it's more after um, we just know across the team guys just want to get that bad taste out of our mouth this is one thing that Tom for the 22 years I've known him in this position he talks about that meeting right. where you have to have the and he's you well, dread it you know and and I don't know if it's always been that way. Well, it, here. you know what? It develops camaraderie first yeah. of all because you're challenged in front of your peers. And when you exactly. talk about having thick skin, you got to be able to take constructive criticism from the coach. In the you know, as an offensive lineman, I could anticipate. Oh, oh I gave up a sack or a tackle for a loss. I look at the guy next to me. Guy, you got to stick with me. Come on, five. You know, right. just <laughs> so. It, 
But again, that's the way that you build the team that ultimately you're going to have at the end of this whole journey that you're you're just starting. Exactly. No, I, I completely agree with you, Tom. And and it's more like um, there's a saying in, in football, I'm sure in all film, like it's never as good it is and it's never as bad as it is on 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 film. So it, just to remain neutral and um, and just keep pushing. It is hard to have a 24-hour rule when you had 48 hours and now you're going to dig back exactly. in. And here it is, the first Day, this because today is really a Wednesday in the football world of of Monday through Sunday, but because of the Monday nighter, so you're still getting questions about what happened in that game. Is right. that a challenge for a player? Because you are trying to set your mind right, and you know the media has its obligations. Totally get it, you get it too. But it is hard to keep going back when you just want to just go forward. Yeah, I mean, again, I I agree with you. It's just more about like that game, like all just. All the emotions from even from sitting down with um, with uh, Mrs. Uh, McCaskey and just knowing everything that just went into that game is just like boom, like you just popped a popped a balloon and um, just kind of really, um, I'm sure, just deflated like this whole this whole organization just for just for that night. But now um, I think everyone has that short-term memory. It's like, all right, on to Seattle. Like, we're, we're did you know they were going to start with the T formation on the offensive side? No, you and I didn't. and I and I didn't get I didn't get it until I mean I saw on social media on on, on Twitter um, like it was in I think in an honor of uh, of Hallis and, and stuff like that. And I thought 1940s. that was nineteen forty. That was pretty cool. Yeah. 1941 against the Washington Redskins, they opened. I think they beat them 73 to nothing yes. that, at that time. And I just, you know, it's the respect that you have. You think of Virginia McCaskey sitting in the stands and probably the only person to see <laughs> right. the inception of that idea, that idea run, and then, you know. Well, just show down. play still work. I got seven yards. Yeah. I'll right. take seven yards yeah. on that, right. that play. I hope they use it more and more. And you know what? Knowing Matt and knowing how these offensive coordinators are and these offensive coaches, they'll – They'll come up with different offshoots from that play and make defenses prepare for it. Like well, they, they have to, right? right? You have to prepare. Yeah, for that. You just because they showed it. Yeah, we have to prepare for. Well, it. I, you know, I would like to talk to uh, Prince a little bit more about it after the commercial, yeah. just about his defensive thinking when you have to prepare for an equally balanced play like that. Maybe after the other after that, the break. That's Tom Thayer, Prince of Mukamar, our guest with you here over the course of the next uh, fifty minutes or so. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The And welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Prince of Mukamara, kind enough to spend some time with us here on Bears All Access with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. Tom, you wanted to pick up uh, the T-formation play that started the game against the Packers, gained seven yards. Right. You mentioned gained seven yards, so it's not a play that you shelf and never bring out again. But, Prince, now when you're on the other side of the ball, now you're looking at a backfield that you don't have great familiarity with. What do you think? What are you thinking defensively? So I'm just thinking, okay, there's three backs in a backfield. I'm thinking, of course, there can be some type of toss or, or direct run, but I'm also thinking, okay, he has three guys in a backfield. There's also max protect, maybe deep some type of deep developing um, route. So when it's stuff like that or something we haven't seen, it's just like, okay, let's, when in doubt, bail it out. Like, stay stay deep, let it let it clear out, and then, um, and then react after. Okay, so now for the fans of us getting ready for game two. You know, you have the guys like 
um, Big Ben, you got Marino, and even Rodgers, for some case, kind of more stationary quarterbacks. Now you're bringing in Russell Wilson. They got Dak Prescott. They got a slew of creative quarterbacks in the NFL. Does this change your game at all? when you have more of a stationary quarterback as opposed to a Russell Wilson type? Um, the only way it changes my game is just I have to be ready for – I just have to be well-conditioned just because I know Russell's going to extend the plays. I mean, similar to, to um, the guy we played last week. I just you don't know, even want to mention his name. <laughs> I just know that, that they're – Quarterbacks like that are going to extend the plays, so I just have to. Uh, we call it a plaster, where you get close to your guy or get close to any guy if you're in zone. Just because when the quarterback starts scrambling, it's like basketball; guys can go uh, any 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 way. Aaron Rodgers, let's just say it that that second half, the frustration level of a defense. If we're watching it and frustrated, I can't imagine what it's like for you guys because you got to stay patient. And you gotta you gotta be there to make the big play. Um, what is going on after a first half where it was complete domination and you pressured him to have then having him sit there and just pick away? Yeah, I mean, so so the first half is just like wow, like we <laughs> like we really we really punched him in 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 their mouth. I mean, even when Aaron was in, we punched him in the mouth, and then even when they didn't start moving the ball until Kaiser got in. When Kaiser got in, then they started moving the ball. But then you see um, Khalil. Ended that with a, a a sack a sack fumble or sack strip and then turnover on downs, and then um and then when we go to halftime, um guys were of course um feeling themselves excited but guys were still echoing like hey like this is four quarters we haven't did anything yet so guys knew like we had to bring it back the second half the second half came we weren't sure if Aaron was gonna play or not and then he ended up he ended up playing and then um and then they started getting some up tempo stuff and they started moving and then um and then when they had the first score. Um, I think I think that was on Kyle. They had the first score. Then it's like okay, they got some momentum, and then um, and then I come back in from my uh, head with a head hit, and then and then they have and then they have the long play on me, and then they have the second score. Then it's like like it's almost like Ben don't break. It's like okay, like like let's get like let's have some poise. And then um, it, it just felt like once once we stopped bleeding, once we started bleeding, we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't stop it and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking like, man, if we just held them, because because as we're watching film, I'm thinking like, okay, man, it was really like five minutes in the third quarter, and it was like twenty to three or twenty three. Yeah, you mentioned three. that, like you thought you mentioned I, that you were surprised. Yeah, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, be, I just couldn't believe it. And then um, and yeah, like we just couldn't stop the stop the bleeding and. Um, and they they just had the, they just had the momentum and they and they just went with it. So I mean, you got to tip your hats to them for not yeah. tanking it and for not and for not uh, giving up. You know, I think when you have that saying, "Desperate times call for desperate measures." When he came out of the locker room at halftime, I think he kind of threw the game plan out the window and said, "All right, okay, I'm going to get the ball out of my hands like Aaron Rodgers knows right. he can." So I think that kind of changed the whole tempo of the game a little bit, a little bit more necessity to protect myself than actually doing the devised game plan that McCarthy put out there. Right, I agree because he was if if you if you saw if you watched him he he didn't really put that much weight mm-hmm. on that on on that foot so it was just quick dink and dunk and then the um and then the the line did a great job um with with protecting him and yeah, I mean and I mean and there and there's a time when they were 
they were probably we called the maroon zone, maybe like the thirty yard going in, and it was we had a great third down, and he was I seen him arguing with McCarthy like, hey, like keep him back, keep the field goal team back, I want to go, and McCarthy's like, no, get out, like get him out, and and stuff like that. I'm like, man, like this is not a good sign. This guy feels dis- well, he was, disconfident. He was ticked about it, yeah. apparently, because he didn't. He and his mind. This reminded me a little bit. Not certainly. It, it's week one versus the Super Bowl. But when I'm sitting there, while I'm at the Super Bowl in Atlanta, giving away its lead, oh, and Tom. on that day, every single thing that happened had to happen how it happened for them to even have a chance to win the game. Right. And and I believe the same thing happened in this case. It had to happen that way. If he does, if he settles for a field goal or another field, goal, no, there's no chance. Or right. it, the Bears are one. One, one snap makes a difference in that game. Right, right, right. That's right. probably the most difficult aspect to swallow. Right, right, right. Um, in any phase. Right, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, um, just going back to the preseason a little bit, because there's a lot of, a little bit of talk about interceptions this year. And, I, and I, it's need to be talked about because it's something that's going to happen. And so you started the conversation, the preseason, then, we, then Khalil Mack comes here. Does that number in your head go up, <laughs> um, or I, I, I you still got that same number set in your head? Um, I mean, yeah, of course. I, I, I think I still have the. I mean, I'm gonna have that same number every year until until I get it, as long as I'm in, uh, as long as I'm playing. And yeah, I said a joke like when he, when we, when I found that we we signed him, I was like, yeah, that number's looking a, a little bit more uh, <laughs> promising, promising now and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's no, it's no surprise the the dynamic, the type of. Um, energy that he just brings brings to our team i mean i've always watched i've actually honest i never really i never really watched him i just know i know his accolades i know he was defensive player i know he's an all pro and a pro bowler and i, n- I never really watched him but i mean that <laughs> well you know it's kind of like von miller and Khalil. they're over on the west coast and, right you know the first time i sat there and watched one-on-ones with von miller a couple weeks ago in denver i was going oh my god right. this this guy is shot out of a cannon <laughs> And there's a lot of similarities between the two. So now we are going to learn a lot more about Khalil in the next few years with his situation here. But, you know, he is a great teammate, a great guy to bring in the locker room when you're trying to construct construct a positive atmosphere there. Yeah, it's crazy how, how fitting he was um, – to, I mean, crazy how great of a fit he was when, when he came here because I know pace and 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 management they're they're so huge on just having great guys and and stuff like that. So the fact that Matt came in um, and just molded right in and and got along with our personalities and and really bought into the culture so fast, um, I think that that helps our team out a lot. Prince Mukamara, our guest here on Bears All Access, Paul Zaranger, engineer Dan Barilli, helping us out here as well as Brandon McCarthy as the. Uh... Uh, show moves on here. Prince, you're you're hitting the nail right on the head because you don't know. When you got a guy who just became the richest uh, defensive player in NFL history in terms of a contract, you don't know really what you're getting unless you hear through the grapevine, right? right. All the grapevine, my, my grapevine, Tom's grapevine, he's a fun-loving guy. He's pretty humble. And, you know, he's a, he's a, a nasty football player. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Right, right, right. And, and that must be comforting because – this is an alpha business, and there are a lot of guys want to be alphas. Not everybody can be an alpha, and some guys do it with a big, big voice. Mm-hmm. Others do it by their play, and I think he's the latter. He does it with his play. Hundred percent. You get that. Yeah. You get that impression from him in there. Yeah, one hundred percent. And now, I mean, even before that game, he was being more vocal. Because, and I remember watching him, watching. The, I seen a picture of him. On, uh, 
on the Raiders team, he had a C on his on his chest and in in the in the NFL or any team, you don't I don't think you just hand those captains out. So for him to be a captain there and then now seeing him on our on our team, how he's starting to be vocal now and starting to um just speak up and, and lead and lead through actions. I'm starting to I'm starting to see him as a captain also. What's he saying? Um, you know, I think he's just making sure we're poised, like uh saying stuff like like come on guys, like like let's get one when he talks to the bees. Hey, um uh Cover your guys just for one more second, so so I can get in and, and stuff like that. You know, I like his practice habits. That he's going to make guys like Rashad Coward better mm-hmm. because now he's going against this offensive line every day in practice. He's got a really serious approach to his effort and the tempo he uses. That now you see it's a trick, kind of a trickle over effect where guys are going to have the opportunity to develop and practice against the best in the league. And believe me, I, I know about practicing against the best defense in the league and how much better you get because of it. That is Tom Thayer with Prince of Mukamara. I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Bears All Access. We'll continue after this break on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Monday night's regular season home opener against the Seattle Seahawks is brought to you by Miller Lite. Brewed for Bears fans and always brewed for more taste. Miller Lite. Hold true. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer with Prince of Mukamara, our guest here on Bears All Access. Brought to you by IGS Energy. I mentioned in that little read right there, home opener at Soldier Field, Matt Nagy has talked about it extensively about reestablishing a home field advantage. The crowd's been great. Sometimes in recent years they have not received the payoff with, with enough victories. So what's it take to create the home field advantage other than the obvious, putting it in the wind column that makes it a nasty place for visitors to come in and, and, and deal with you guys? I think it starts with us. It starts with the players. It starts with us doing things that's going to get the crowd excited and that's not jumping and hollering and swinging our towels that's that's our play on the field making making big plays scoring touchdowns getting big hits making interceptions i think the fans feed off of that and i mean like we're we're entertainers and they 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 want to be entertained so if we give them stuff to holler about and to get loud about i mean a third a third down and and the game is close um they're gonna be loud, but if the third down and, and the game is and we're and we're getting blown out, I don't. I mean, I don't. It's human nature. I don't think that they're gonna care as much. So if if we do what we need to do as players, I think the the, the fans are gonna react off of us. How hell you know? How helpful is is crowd noise helpful to a defensive back? It is to the defensive line. It's really slows down the offensive line and everything like that. But you know, you you have the extreme crowd noise, and you know it is it is great to have as an assistant. Does it help defensive backs? Does it confuse them? Does it limit your communication with the to the width of the field? Yeah, I, I mean it 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 helps us because now the offense can't communicate and they need to communicate more than us. But um, the defense it, uh, it 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 can hurt us just a little bit, but we don't care just because we do need to communicate verbally. But that's why we can use like sign language and we can do. Um, we can do other stuff. I mean, the corner is very easy. You can just give me one, two, three, or four, and I know how I know how to play those uh, those coverages. You know, a lot of chatter between wide receivers and DBs, at least during my time in football. And this week, they got a ex Chicago Bear that has a lot. He brings a lot <laughs> of chatter with him. Do you do you get involved in that? Do you stay away from it? Do you not have time for it? Or how how does how do you go about that part of your business? 
I never I never start talking first unless um unless someone's not playing the game the right way and I either that's um doing extra after the whistle or just or, or if they're talking to me then then I'll then I'll pop off after but other than that I'll Any anything in training camp with Anthony Miller because he came in here a confident guy and he's a rookie so now Prince Mukumara a seasoned veteran and you got to you know go have a couple battles with a guy like that um, it was, it was very, it was very little. I mean, we probably, I think if anything, we just made fun of each other, but on the field, um, not, not so much. I think maybe when I was, when I was out, uh, a little bit with my growing, he was, he was saying, oh, okay, you're, you're a vet. You get it. You get, you get some days off and stuff like that. Other than that, not, not too much, but Anthony's very, very, um, a, very confident individual. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for him to to get started. Yeah, how, how do vets take that? Take what? How do, you know when a when a kid comes in like that? I think it depends on the vet. Um, I think most vets would probably want to humble him um, some somehow or something like that. But me, I mean, I, I coach Nagy started to like, hey, be you, have some swagger. So, and I think that's part of his swag and him being him. So, um, I just. I just let let him be. In your entire career, this is your third team. Have you ever felt as empowered to be you as you do right now, or have you always mm, been you? Um, I would say I would say this is almost similar to Jacksonville when we had Gus Bradley, and Gus comes from the the Seattle like lineage, like where. Um, I mean, they're playing music videos in their in, the, in their team meetings, and you can wear hats inside the building, and um, and they they have a basketball hoop and stuff like that. So that was more like that was like public school. That was just more like <laughs> that was I I really I felt like how like basketball players we we, we had curfew and stuff, but I just felt like basketball players they can stay as long as they want. They like they basically can do whatever, and I I kind of felt like that man. I kind of feel like how LeBron. <laughs> kind of, kind of feels just like I felt like a true vet when, um, when I was there. And um, but those those type of systems don't don't work for every team. Some people need and and want structure, but um, that was just a perfect fit for me coming from Coughlin yeah. <laughs> Coughlin School. And I really appreciate that appreciate that in my career because I was there for five years, and that really like straightened me up. Being being five minutes early and and knowing how to be a pro and and stuff like that. So that prepared me for a Gus Bradley and a Matt Nagy. You know, I, I think Matt has the same expectations from all of his players. He just has a more modern way of putting it. Because right. since the since the day Matt was hired, and every time he stood at the podium. I've always respected everything he said about the next message that he wants to deliver. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what players want to hear. They don't want to hear a guy that's so evasive at the podium that you really don't know what he's saying. You're different because you you played for Mike Ditka, so the messages, (laughs) they came came fast and furious. But coaches stand there. I've always been told this. Most of the coaches that I've talked to, they are talking to the media answering the questions, but they're talking to you guys. Mm. And if the message is different from what they're telling you in the team meeting at the podium, then we got a disconnect. Then we got a problem. Am I right? Right. You need to, and I don't know that you're hearing what he says at the podium or if you guys do occasionally read it. And a lot of guys on Twitter now, so they are susceptible of hearing things that maybe they didn't want to hear before or reading things they didn't want to read before. But the message has to be consistent. So 
I think there's this notion that, you know, coaches stand there and tell tell the media a bunch of a bunch of nonsense just to fulfill a commitment, but they are talking to their players. Yeah, I agree with that. But mine is my perspective is almost like a vice versa because I feel like what he tells us is what he's telling uh, to the me- to the media, and I don't know which one comes first. <laughs> but I'll but a- anytime he'll tell us something, and then I'll see a tweet or, or a clipping, I'm like, oh, he he said okay. what, what he told them. He told that exactly to us. Was his approach any different? You know, it seems like you have five months to prepare for your first game of the season, then you got three days to prepare from every game after that. Was was his approach the same at the beginning of this week as it has been leading up to the as it was leading up to the Green Bay game? But now your time is much more condensed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach Nagy's been very uh, even killed, and um, and I think from this generation of coaches, I've been seeing like they're starting to bring the energy and they've learned that players feed off that energy. So he's the same coach talking stuff, um, talking stuff to us at, uh, at practice. If, if the scout team offense makes a play, it's good job, good job, offense, good job, offense, just to get under the defense, uh, okay. the defense skin. And um, if I drop a ball or something, Prince, that's, that's another 10 balls on the jugs uh, for you and stuff like that. So he's always, um, he's, he's always on us, always uh, bringing that energy. And um, I think as a player, we appreciate that come from the coaches. He's very transparent, too. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I don't know how players feel about this too, but he, you know, taking responsibility today at the podium too, just talking about how he didn't feel like he was in a great rhythm as a play caller in his first game here as head coach and, and have the dual hat of offensive coordinator or not offensive coordinator by title, but design the game plan, call the plays, uh, as a head coach, uh, especially on third downs and so forth. Uh, that admission a lot of coaches are not going to do. Mm. They may say it. I believe what he says. He's not just. It's not just lip service. The, the players appreciate that. Yeah, I think there's a very. Um, I think him, him being genuine. I think guys, guys can really read off that. A player can tell if a coach <laughs> is faking it or, or not. Is this the closest in age you've ever been in your career to your head coach? Yes, because yes, you know when you when you start closing that gap between the Coughlin and the other ears, there is a difference because now you're seeing things similarly. You know, he has young kids, and he's you know everything else that goes on with his life. They're they're more relatable. More relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I I can definitely uh, see that, and I think that's why um, it's, it's a good fit. Prince of Mukamara, our guest here on Bears All Access as we break down the Bears game to the loss to the Packers. Look ahead to the Seattle Seahawks, a visit from Pete Carroll's guys. He mentioned Gus Bradley, so Prince of Mukamara knows a little bit about that defense over there in Seattle. Bradley worked there and was kept by Pete Carroll in his first year back in 2010. Eight years of great success for the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson and the fellas coming to Soldier Field. We continue here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Roots Chris Steakhouse. This is how it's done. The yum from Tom Thayer as Prince of Mukamara joins us here. Our remaining segments with the Bears starting cornerback getting ready for the Seattle Seahawks. I mentioned Gus Bradley. You played for him in Jacksonville. Now he's out in L.A. with the Chargers as a defense coordinator. But he comes from that system. There's a lot of familiarity here, a little bit about exactly what they're, they're going to be doing here as well. Uh, there's... Uh, a, a lot of interesting things they do defensively, but it's different. Mm-hmm. I know you're looking at it from an offensive perspective, but what did the Legion of Boom do to secondaries around the National Football League? Oh, man, I think they uh, they kind of pressed us to 
to try to get our get our own name in and stuff like that. So you see, um, I think uh, Chris Harrison in the Broncos. I think they started like a no no fly zone mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And um, I mean. They actually made us kind of more more valuable and just and kind of showed the league like, hey, this is what happens when you have that continuity, that good core of guys that that stay together. And I think for the GMs and stuff, it kind of showed them like, hey, you can you can build from within the house. Like you can find some. Like I mean, Cam Chancellor I think was a, like a fourth round guy, and then Sherman was like a fifth round fifth, guy, yeah. and then I mean Thomas was was a first and stuff like that. So when you so I think it kind of showed gems like, hey, you can find some gems and just um, and mold them and, and kind of build them from within. But I mean, they were just dominant, for, probably for uh, I don't. I think. Like, oh, really? When it, you know, he's had six out of his eight years winning records, playoffs, two Super Bowls, win one. First two years, seven and nine. They made massive changes yeah. but, in their system early. All right. So you get these teams with nicknames, and then because it starts with boom, and it starts yeah. with the big hitting safeties. So now you get all these rule changes. Do they have to change your tackling tempo? And maybe it changes what the reputation of defensive backs can be because you can't you can't light up guys anymore. Starting with the safeties and to the DBs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think guys are we and we have been practicing how to hit. I mean, how to how to move our head. I mean, even the defensive linemen now you can't even. It used to be like a bonus, a cherry on top to put all your 300, 400. Tony yeah, Saragusa yeah. to, right. who was a Gannon or when he ended yeah, his Rich career Gannon. at the Raiders. It, it, yeah. it used to be great yeah, nah, to just I, land on them. Now you got to no, no. hit them and then like roll over. You might get hurt trying to land on on your shoulder and, and the, stuff uh, like that. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, 6'6", <laughs> and how, right. I mean, how much? I mean, come on. Some of these quarterbacks, they're big guys. Cam Newton. Cam Newton, right? Or right, Dante right. Culpepper? How, how right. you plan on bringing that guy down? You got to do by any means necessary. <laughs> right, right, right. And you can't. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think guys. I mean, I hate to bring this up, but we've learned from. I think we learned from the Saints and Vikings game. Is like I'm. It looked like Marcus Williams' a safety. It looked like he wasn't trying to blow him up. Like he was just trying to hit or get a tackle. But I think for him being so worried about that, he missed. He missed the whole play. So I think guys are just gonna. Do what they have to do. You're take talking the about hit. the playoff game. Yeah, the yeah. playoff game. Yeah, I think guys are just going to have to do what they have to do, make the hit, and then. Boy, uh, but you know, if you, that happens the next morning, you're a front page story. Exactly. That's the right, rub right. on it. Yeah. Well, it's the fundamental challenge. The, your whole life you're preached about the head part of of the fundamental of whatever you're doing, blocking, tackling, anything. Now it's almost that you've got to completely get rid of your head and think of shoulders and arms and, and getting it out of the way. So I, I think the defensive back. He all he just unfortunately ducked his head too early trying mm-hmm. to make a legal hit legal at hit. at the end of the play. Yeah, I'm thinking this: if I'm an offense, I am working the middle of the field to my heart's content mm-hmm. because really the fear of getting ripped back there at the tight right. end position or a crossing route or whatever I think is gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, I mean, are you, do you feel you might start seeing that this year? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Even, I mean, I'm thinking about from our game, even with the those late hits on on uh, on Mitch, like those those late quarterback quarterback hits. It's just like if a guy rolls out. I mean, even just just throwing the ball, you're more likely to get a penalty from that too. But you know, 
the game's moving so fast. Are you actually thinking through this? No, no, you no, can't no. possibly. Yeah, no, I can't. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. I just have to uh, face the repercussions after. I well, guess. yeah. You know what's weird is in talking to Charles Tillman quite a few times about his peanut punch and all that stuff. He said that there are times where he is in position that he can anticipate the momentum of the offensive player coming at him in regards to getting the punch in there or how if he's going to be off balance when. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's hitting the ground and that, you know, you can just come like last week, for example, didn't Von Miller go up and just take take the ball away yeah, from the running from back the running for back. Seattle? Unbelievable. From it's the just side. the anticipation of movement by defensive players because you see it so frequently in your life. Yeah. And I think the the, the more you play, just the more you're able to be um, just you're more able to react and um, and just make great plays like Von did. Uh, that tape is fun to watch if you like pass rushers. Oh my gosh, I, I've seen how about, it. How about how about how about when the, the the tackle gave him up and he comes slanting down? Russell yes. Wilson never saw him. I mean, he put some punishment yeah. on that man. Yeah. Well, they started, you know, and, Va- and the, Mac could be doing the same darn yeah. thing. I'm I, I asked Mac. I said, "Did you see?" I had to look at. I had to look at the. The stats, I think for Von, I think Von had three, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the three sacks, and just, yeah. yeah, just that slant. He went up and then just darted straight oh. in, and then it was a, it was a sack fumble, and then the one where because Russell likes to roll out, Russell circled back and just ran, ran right, right, into, right him. into a brick wall. Yeah. Well, the, the first play of the game, they're in Denver. They run a seven step play action fake mm. drop. In the, any offensive tackle in the league is going to be, get beat, and then at least one out of two. You got Chubb rushing. You got Derek Wolf on the inside. You first got Von snap, Miller. Yeah. That, that's that's a silly play to run to start your season. Yeah. So sometimes you have to put some coaching criticism in there when you're thinking about the rushers. Von Miller one week, and now this tackle is going to go to sleep all week thinking about Mac. Yeah, it's almost like the the old lines playing the uh, the AFC West back to back. Yeah, it's funny though. Today in, in the locker room, uh, Mac saying, "You know, I get Aaron Rodgers one week, now I get Russell Wilson. Please." He goes, you know, right. give me a break. Right, right, right. <laughs> They're thinking just, just the opposite. I mean, that is one thick-bodied pass rusher yeah. uh, who can really close the distance on a court. He's got – the thing I love watching about it, and I, I love a couple I love a couple things in football. If It doesn't really matter to the, the average listener, but I love running backs, I love variety, and I love pass rushers. Mm-hmm. I love the different toolbox of each each pass rusher and how they can – make plays just on their sheer athleticism, power, knowledge, instincts, and whatnot. Uh, those are fun. That's like art, right. crushing the passer. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, I mean, because they also use, like, karate or just something something with their hands. It's not a wax on, but it's crazy how they, how they use their hands. And it's like, it's almost like you could tee off on – on that old lineman because you can do a, a bull rush and go straight through them or you could shake them and go outside and, and, and inside. I mean, and but the best part about being a D-line is that you can have a sack one play, run out, get a breather, get refreshed, and then go back in full speed to do the game. Or you could get blocked for 71 plays, make a sack in the 70. Yeah. Exactly. Tom would just be cutting them left and right. Well, no, you know what? It'd be awful. Watching watching the Denver-Seattle game, the first couple plays, Denver brought uh, third-tier pressure onto Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. So it did change his way of thinking. It it thought he, he... kind of putting his head quicker that I have to escape rather than sit inside the pocket. So it'll be interesting to pay attention to. When you talk about your favorite thing in football, 
Jeff's corner favorite thing blitz. in football is the corner blitz. Yeah, corner Above blitz. and beyond all that other garbage, he just wanted love to tell you. Love corner blitz. Yeah. <laughs> love. Rondé Barber, corner Rondé, blitz. Oh, yeah. You know, over the years, outstanding. Uh, you know, I, I like to see them send you every now and again. <laughs> You've been on a blitz at any point in your career? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in my career, but not not much. I, I yeah, no, you're an outside guy yeah. anyway. You're an outside guy. Uh, one thing I want to bring up before we go, because the Mac, when I, I, we sat down, we did the TV interview when he first got here, and, and I'll be doggone if he's not, his whole interview is using his hands. And it, it was wax on, oh. wax on. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, he, just the way he was talking and how he uses hands, because it's muscle memory. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's sitting across me. He's probably using those same moves on an offensive tackle. Yeah. I no can, joke. I can see that. I, I can see that. It's definitely muscle memory, a lot of repetition. You know, you go back and you look at Vaughn Miller, one of his first rushes. He's got an unbelievable karate move that the offensive tackle extend his arm. He bats both <laughs> of them down. But the thing about it is, is Khalil's really good at it, too. He can bat an offensive lineman's arms down and still have his momentum and feet going forward. Jeez. So they have to be double organized because most people, when they're using their hands, the first thing they want to do is think about stopping their feet. Right, right, and right. so now they got these great rushers, bam, but look at look at the coordination of their feet while they're coordinated with their hands. I'm thinking Leonard's going to learn a heck of a oh, lot from yeah, him yeah. too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Leonard, I mean Leonard's potential is through is through is through the roof. So, all right, Prince of Mukamara, our guest here on Bears All Access. Another segment to go here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. This segment of Bears Hall Access is orchestrated by CDW. CDW, people who get it. Jeff and Tom with Prince Samukamara. Get it ready with the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, Brandon Marshall coming to town. Had three catches and a touchdown last week, uh, overcoming some toe and ankle issues. He said he traveled all over the world. Offensive pass interference, push <laughs> off in the end zone he had. There you go. That's, that's good to see. For Prince, uh, who knows where he'll lined up. He's more than considered there, I think, a possession Target there, but they got speed. That team's speed on both sides of the ball. Tyler Lockett had a 51-yard touchdown. They had a tight end, a fourth rounder, Will Disley. Disley. Yeah. That uh, Disley. coach was calling Ditka over there. He's wrong. He's a big guy rumbling through tackles, breaking tackles on his way to a 66-yard play. So uh, the Seahawks may be rebuilding, but they got some weapons. What have been the preach points already for you guys? Well, definitely. I mean, what makes the team go is definitely the uh, the quarterback. So I mean been talking about uh russell russell a lot and um and yeah i mean with doug with doug i think balling i don't i don't think yeah. he, he he's gonna play but just getting to know their receivers from uh jerome brown and um and marshall and uh lockett who got a nice little uh payday this <laughs> this off season and um so yeah so we're we're just introducing ourselves to them and like we did um on the field and, and practice against their stuff. And, um, yeah, they, I mean, they have a, a pretty good, a pretty, a pretty good offense from, they like, they like to run. They yeah. like, they definitely like to run the ball. And when they get a chance, like you said, that, um, they're going to give you those deep shots. I talked to you a little bit about crowd noise before, because there's no more state outdoor stadium in the league right now than Seattle to be disturbing <laughs> for the opponent's offense. So now Russell Wilson goes in the Denver. You get a chance to evaluate that tape. Is he a different quarterback? with crowd support than he is at home when he's got complete control of the cadence and all the movement of um, personnel at the line of scrimmage? I would say so, especially it being home. I would say um, he's more more comfortable. He's able to probably get get out more checks because he's not he's not being interrupted by um, by by the crowd noise. So I would say it's definitely an, an advantage when he's 
uh, when he's at home. You've been around a long time, so you've experienced a lot of highs, a lot of lows uh, throughout the course of your career with games, uh, wins and losses with a young team. Does anything concern you about a loss like that for a young team that's still learning how to win? Not at all. And I saw that firsthand today with, with Eddie Jackson. I mean, um, encouraging guys to keep keep finishing to uh, to, to the ball. E- even when he broke it down today, he said, hey, fellas, the, the, it, it was simple why we lost that game is we didn't finish. So let, let, let's continue um, to do that. Let's, let's emphasize it more and um, let's exaggerate and let's start doing extra at the ball because I don't want to ever feel that feeling again. So, I mean, this is Eddie's second year. I mean, but you understand, he came from yeah. – uh, <laughs> he, he came from Al- – Alabama and, and and stuff like that, and I'm sure he's not he's not used to to losing. So I mean, just seeing that, um, seeing his mindset, and I'm sure a lot of guys respect that. You know, we've been here for this entire show. We've never once mentioned Roquan Smith. So now you have an opportunity to be around him for a couple of weeks. He comes from a big time program in Georgia. That he's a first round draft choice because he's a qualified athlete. What have you seen in Roquan in, the, in a couple of weeks? Is he a conversation guy to the different defensive players on the team, or is he consistent with his position coach and maybe a guy like Danny Trevathan? Roquan's um, maturity, I mean, he doesn't even seem like he's a, he, he's a rookie. I mean, he, he's so mature, um, especially off the field. Meenham has, has had a lot of conversations uh, off the field, but um, just on the field, he just seems like he seems like he knows everything. And I didn't know I didn't know how fast I didn't know how fast he was. I mean, he he tried to uh, he tried to challenge me in a race. We haven't raced, but he tried to challenge me. And um, just seeing how he flashes on film, um, our whole um, our whole team's excited. But yeah, I mean, especially like off the field when when we speak, just about like uh, financial stuff. I mean, this guy this guy already seems like his head his head is on straight. Yeah, he's one of a handful of first rounders in that defense. You're one of them. He is um, obviously Kyle Fuller is obviously uh, uh, Khalil Mack is. Uh, you're the 19th pick in your draft. Uh, what's the pressure associated with that? I know it's a common question that's asked for a young player but you're not a young player anymore how, how did you deal with being a first round pick man um and how can you help those in the same position yeah i would say i mean the, the pressure is to perform but to perform now like um like the the team the organization they want to see uh and they're ROI. They want to see a return on 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 their um, investment. So um, so I mean, I, I would say their expectations for you is for you to to be Pro Bowl first year. It's just for you to to show them like why why we chose you. And um, you might have a standard for yourself, but um, but they they have a standard for for you. So I so but as, I think as long as your standard is higher than their standard, and you you put the most pressure on yourself, I don't think. Um, their pressure isn't isn't really going to mean anything to you, and I mean, and this is extra information I'm giving you. But like when I talk to <laughs> when I talk to uh, like hey, you got a platform here, <laughs> my man. When I talk to Kevin White, like even I mean even 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 Kyle Fuller, like look at Kyle Fuller last year, like his back his back was against the wall. Like uh, me and Kyle, me and Kyle are actually closer this year than we were last year, just because it was kind of awkward. But I I told Kyle I was like, hey. Like they brought me and Coop to take your to to take your spot and um and even in training camp there was nothing he didn't if we're being honest he didn't really show anything and then um and then I was out for a little bit and then he started to hold his own 
um, in the games. And then um, first two games, he held his own against Julio, held his own against Deshaun and and uh, Mike Evans. The next held his own against Antonio. Then it's like, whoa, like we can't. Now I'm back. It's like, hey, we can't just take this guy out. So what? Like Kyle, Kyle's mindset was just like. Man, my back's against the wall. I I gotta come out swinging. They don't. They don't really. Be, I mean, they don't believe in me. And um and God, sorry, trying to be so politically correct, but you can't do. You can't. I'm only saying they don't really believe in him because they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So it's like um. So it's like he came out swinging. So I talked to Kevin. Like, hey, Kevin, you're kind of in the same spot. I mean, they brought two guys in, paid two guys to come in and 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 take your spot and I mean his mindset is great like I can only control what I can control I understand the situation I haven't played a lot of games but I'm gonna do everything I can to uh, to show them they made a mistake and I think it's a great conversation not everybody uh, is worthy of their first round pick a team saw the potential in them Uh, I'll never forget a guy named Gaines Adams first round pick he passed away uh, many years ago as a Bears he told me before he passed away three months before he passed away I wish I wasn't a first-round pick. Wow. He couldn't live up to those expectations, and all of what came with that became too much, mm. you know, from family to whatnot. And, you know, like you said, they expect Pro Bowl. Yeah. If you don't that, you almost feel like huh, you're a let bust. Them down. Right, you're a bust. Hey, nice bounce-back game coming up against the Seattle Seahawks. Hope you have a great season, and thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you guys Thanks, for having Prince. me. It's always a pleasure. Prince Amukamara with Tom Thayer and Jeff Joniak. That's wrapping up this week's Bears All Access. For Brandon McCarthy, Paul Zarang, Dan Burley, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for your help. We'll talk to you next time here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, PNC, and Ford.